we're gonna go on to our five o'clock show the one i'm a guy from pittsburgh and i have dreaded pronouncing this name a pittsburgh guy can't say couch and coach you know how hard that is for me i've been i can't say that <laughs> together i don't, my my words don't work that way but couch coach live chris is going to take over chris the floor is yours yes it was appreciated hey hello everybody happy international podcast day what a great day to be amongst the group here on and i'm getting you ready for the five o'clock drive i don't know if you you know as far as what you're doing out here but we're here at five o'clock eastern standard time to give you a little bit of brief of what we do here at couch coach live so tonight i'm flying solo normally my co-host our co-host malway is usually um, accompanied by me but today we're gonna fly solo on a special edition of the couch coach live and on for international podcast day so if you're new to me pretty much this podcast was created in 2014 um it's a lot of things have transpired during that time period. Obviously, um, I started my radio slash podcast career in 2011. Um, I had opportunities to become co-host of other shows. Then I decided, hey, let me do Couch Coach Live. And um, Couch Coach Live is a sports podcast that pretty much is the embodies the Couch Coach mantra. Obviously, we have debates. We also have sports takes. With a, logic, with a little bit of logic and a little bit of humor as well. Um, but there is sometimes some couch coach takes because I know like last year, I think I even said that I could, even at 37 years old, I could, you know, be the running back for the San Francisco 49ers and at least have about 80 yards a game. So there's still some type of irrational confidence inside of me, but obviously that's pretty much how Couch Coach Live is essentially. So it's a weekly sports podcast that we do. Uh, Wednesdays at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, it has been such a great experience. Um, obviously, the, the things that this podcast have taken me is has taken me into to rooms and to, you know, places that I never thought I'd envision. I've, you know, obviously with this podcast has been, um, has covered the NFL Combine, other various sports leagues within the Richmond, Virginia area. So this has been a, such a great ride and such a great experience um, that, podcasting and slash radio has done for me and it's one of those where the good thing about the situation like with me because obviously as I talked about my age when it came to sports I was always one of the ones that I was the last one that was picked so I was you know I, I know some people feel that like you know when you're when you're playing sports then you get to a level where okay I'm getting a little bit better I'm balling I'm doing my thing and then you think to yourself okay I'm gonna grow because at that time I think like five 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 six right around my teenage years I never grew. So I was like, I knew like my, my athletic career wouldn't essentially, you know, carry me on to high school or college. So, you know what? I decided even at an early age, you know what? I'm going to talk sports and I can see this as see this as something that's going to enrich me for the rest of my life. So, you know, at 37 years old, if I was still in my athletic prowess, I probably would retire be retired by now. But this, you know, with podcasting and doing this, this is something I could do for the rest of my life. So that was kind of one of the things where in life you have to pivot. And then this is kind of what I kind of pivot into. So this pretty much that's how the intensity of how Couch Coach Lab was created. And um, so without further ado, what's going on, Cole? Definitely shout out to Cole, other um, uh, wise, my, and Ben, my NFC beast brethren definitely appreciate y'all for checking us out yes yes indeed let's go yeah hey we're in the bottom of the basement so you know wise and ben man y'all got showed me some love because uh 
I might be down in the basement in the NFC East for probably for a good little while. Like, you know, I, I thought I thought me and Wise going to be like, you know, join each other in, at the bottom of the NFC East. But no, nah, I think I think we got that on lock. You might want to throw away the key because I think we might be at the bottom for the rest of the year. But <laughs> but definitely huge shout out to my to my brothers for checking us out. I um, definitely appreciate it. So. It's funny thing about you know, and beautiful thing about um, international podcasting day. It's it's a thing where hey, we're podcasters, we are subject matter experts in what we do. We all kind of stuff. I you know, I could be a podcaster. I could do all this, but today, I could be a doctor. It is international podcasting day, and I could be a doctor for this one segment and one tangent. So. I want to address the elephant in the room that is um, happening now, currently in the NFL, with the uh, two attack of a lower injury on Sunday. It really happened on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, where Tua sustained a hit and his helmet slammed to the ground. And then when he got up, there was moments where he was he didn't you know he was he shook his head like this. And then essentially there was moments where he was on the verge of collapsing, and his teammates had to help him up. To you know, to hold him up. So at that time, we were told that it was a back injury. And I know I'm not a doctor, and I just say that to be tongue in cheek. But the seeing eye would tell you, if a guy loses equilibrium, that's a neurological thing. That's not a back thing. If he had a back issue, he wouldn't have moved in that kind of motion. Like so, them telling us that on Sunday was kind of like a load of crock. And then, obviously, the Miami Dolphins played on Thursday night, which was four days after the situation that happened on Sunday. Um, he gets um, get hits again, essentially, where his helmet slams to the ground and he's concussed. He's on the ground for more than about 10-plus minutes. So coupled with that, and then even when they showed the, the scene of how his fingers were in sort of a, a twist his in a twisted position where it wasn't like normal, like you had your fingers like this, but his fingers were twisted. So that's where, you know, obviously he was actually um, sent to the hospital. And then also the good thing about the situation was he was able to fly home. So that's kind of one of those where I look at that as a, as a good sign for him as far as maybe the front of prognosis. But the thing I really want to address about the situation is, the NFL, they failed this. They failed. They failed to them, and that and this is one of those moments where the NFL really needs to crack down on their on their concussion policy. And the thing about it is, and because essentially what the NFL was trying to do was essentially get the um, what they call neurological um, specialists to kind of be at the game and be the extra eyes and ears to what's going on, and they. They dropped the ball on that essentially because to me, and that's like where we talked about what I talked about it earlier, where everybody and their mother knows if you see a guy wobbling on Sunday, being able to not control his balance, that's the equilibrium thing. That's not something that you would see from a typical back injury or any type of other any body, you know, any other body function. So I'm that's why I'm kind of leery as to why on earth they didn't rule him out. And that's where it's like Come on now, we gotta we gotta do something about this. Where I just don't understand the rationale behind having that, and then bringing him back in the next quarter and having him able to play, and then coming off the short term, off, off the short week, and 
it's one of those where it falls on a lot, a lot of people, but I think the biggest, the lion's share of it has got to be these independent neurologists, neurologists, neuro <laughs> I'm going to say that. I'm going to miss that word, but it is what it is, but um, urinologists. So that's my biggest thing where they failed too in the situation. And I know the Players Association is doing that, doing their due diligence as far as launching an investigation. And this is one of those where I think the players really need to step up and really and really be, you know, be down for this cause. Cause we and it's one thing we when it comes to NFL players, it gets to a point where it's it's hard to defend them because the issues that they should bring to the table during the CBA, they don't. They kind of get they they talk about it, but then it's something else that's pacified within it. So they don't necessarily get their due diligence. But this is one of those where I think the NFL Player Association and the players themselves need to actually essentially, you know, fall on the sword for some of these causes because that, what happened to Tua Tag of Law shouldn't have happened. The Sunday game, he shouldn't have never came back in that third quarter for certain. You see someone like that and he is – to the point where he, if it, if it wasn't for them teammates, he'd have been on the floor just like he was on Thursday. If it weren't for them players holding him up that on Sunday, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have even made it back in that huddle. So but for them to bring it back is just so do it's it's so irresponsible. And I think even with the situation Thursday where we knew going to have, he had a concussion and then we know how it is when it comes to potentially the ill effects after the after the initial concussion so this is where you know this could have been a very very serious situation luckily the prognosis this considering the fact that he did fly with fly home with the team but thing that's leery about that is he still walked he still was on a plane with a neck brace so that's one of those where and then even the press conference today kind of rubbed me the wrong way because the simple fact of like, you know, kind of not saying po pointing the blame, but kind of not taking accountability for the situation at hand, um, the Dolphins organization. And, and this is just one of those where the players, do they, do they really essentially have your back? This is a, when, when it comes to the new CBA, you guys need to definitely come to the table and say, Hey, we need this type, we need different forms of concussion protocols because what happened there, that's dangerous. What happened in that situation is something that no one should ever ever experience because that 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 could have been fatal. That that situation yesterday could have been potentially a fatal situation. And you know, thankfully Tua it's going to be okay from, you know, from, from all reports from here and there, but this is going to be a, definitely a situation where I, I definitely want the players and the player association to not back down to, you know, to the owners and whatever, when it comes to this table and hopefully this investigation, this investigation is going to, it's going to uncover a lot of things. And it's one of those where the hammer's going to get dropped in some form or fashion. So, I just take, say, you know, for the players and the player association, this is something that you really need to fight for. This isn't about, you know, in previous situations, marijuana or compensation. This is about your health. This is about long-term situations. Because we we literally just seen a, a, a player have two concussions in, in less than five days. And 
that's in in most cases, in some cases, that could be fatal. That could be you. And it's more so when I'm talking about from from the NFL players' perspective. So this you have to do your due diligence. Y'all gonna have to fight hard for this. And you know, just you know, do what you gotta do. I know it might be a situation where it might be some intense labor negotiations. But this is a this is a, this is a sword that you need to fall on because at the end of the day, this is about your health. I know you know everybody you know make your bread, make your money like 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 our guy Marshawn Lynch, get your chicken. But how can you get your chicken if your mind ain't right? So enough about tour. So we'll set transition to so it's two matchups this weekend that I'm looking forward to, and that's to kick off Sports Tober. I always look at. Uh, October is the that's the greatest month for sports. Obviously, considering the fact that we have NFL in season, college football, we'll have NBA. Because actually, we just had some NBA um, preseason um, this morning, and then also you got Major League Baseball playoffs started in NHL. Um, you got a lot of sports going on all at once. So I always look at the month of October as Sports October because we'll have uh, so many great. Uh, great moments in the month of October. So definitely with ma- Major League Baseball playoffs, the World Series is always magical. You got the culmination of the end of a Major League Baseball season. And then in the college football, you have emerging teams coming out in the month of October where you'll see a lot of upsets um, come to fray and kind of the definition of kind of how this college football playoff might be a little bit wider during this month heading into November. So that's always a great intriguing month to kind of see how things go during that situation. Basketball, um, it's, it's good for it to come back. It may not have, it may not pick your interest. You might obviously opening game, opening week is probably going to be like the most fascinating, but just the fact that basketball is still around and it's, and it be in its early stages. It's also as good as well. And the same goes for like NHL. And then also with the NFL where we have teams that we look at now as like the Jacksonville Jaguars, we're going into October the 1st, a two and one Jacksonville Jaguar team that we might meet. Many people are thinking that they're contenders. We're looking at a Philadelphia Eagles team that is three and zero and riding high, and we're looking at some of you know some of these teams that are contenders, and then we're looking at even teams like the Las Vegas Raiders who are zero and three that could potentially turn their month around in the month of October. So um, that's another where the picture could be a little bit more, more clear as we head into November. So this month is going to definitely provide us with so many great um, matchups and also just great storylines going into the month of October. So uh, what a hell of a way to kick off uh, sports tober, especially so the matchup I really want to talk about is a top 10 college football matchup. And for me, I'm, I'm here in Richmond, Virginia. So I'm in the heart of ACC country. I guess people could say I'm in the heart of ACC country, but essentially um, this is to me, I think this is the flag barrier game of the Atlantic coast conference. I know people talk trash about the ACC. Oh, they're not a good conference. Our SEC rules, you know, if, if you're from the South SEC rules, but Hey, we're in the mid Atlantic ACC is gold. You know, around here, around these parts, we love the ACC. So the top 10 matchup that I'll talk about is going to be Clemson versus NC State. This is kind of one of those matchups where it's going to put either one of these teams on a trajectory if they run the table. This is going to be one of those games that will be discussed at the college football um, 
playoff the last the last four in. I think this is going to be one of those where people are going to look at whoever's the winner of this and potentially the loser of this matchup. They're going to be considered. They're going to be in this conversation and just depending on how this game makes up. So obviously you got Clemson, who is pretty much the the current flag bearer of the ACC. Obviously they had a bad year last year to, to Clemson standards in this modern era. Um, they're kind of – they're another team where they're – with them being fifth, a lot of people are going to always look at them as like, oh, well, they're not – the competition is not there. Obviously, and Clemson gets that bad rap in a year, wherever they are, even if they're the number one team in the country, because obviously they got the Georgias, they got the Alabamas, they got the Ohio States, where they have semi-juggernaut schedules – for exception when they when Alabama plays like Utah State before like LSU. But that's here no there. I digress about that point. But I look at that matchup between these two, and this is where Clemson can literally legitimize themselves if they can get a home victory over a 10th ranked team in NC State. And then the vice versa, where with NC State, this would be a very huge win if they were to come out in this victory because of the simple fact of, hey, they went to Clemson and they beat the fifth-ranked team in the country. So this is where the conversations are going to be had in December where whoever comes out this matchup and then potentially if the team, the winner of this team runs away um, for the rest of the year as far as unscathed, as far as no victory, I mean, as far as no losses or potentially maybe a, a bump in the road, maybe in the, in the title game and ACC championship game or what have you. That's where I think where potentially you might run into that. But this is um, Clemson. The interesting about with Clemson is how can they rebound, even though they did beat Wake Forest last week? You got to think to yourself, you know, is uh, is Devin Leary going to have a great game like Sam Hartman? Because Sam Hartman obviously had the six touchdown game. He had a game of his life, a game of his career. And it, it obviously he fell short um, in overtime to Clemson. And that's where you look at what can Clemson do? And obviously, they, I think they'll get most of their secondary back. I know they were pretty much banged up in the secondary last week. So they were missing a lot of uh, key pieces to their secondary. So hopefully they'll be getting some of those guys back tomorrow. But that's where it's intriguing for the simple fact of who's going to get the best of this matchup. Obviously, obviously DJ you know, this could be a, a defining game for him as well because he he hasn't met the expectations of what we've seen from previous, you know, previous clips and quarterbacks in this modern era. I, I say modern era more like 2010 and present. You know, he's not he it's not at doesn't feel the bill like a Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson or even a Taj Boyd. Like he he hasn't fit that in the sense he's been solid. DJ has been a very solid and that's where it's kind of where DJ is a good quarterback, but it's just more so of how Clemson and the label has been these last two quarterbacks that they've had. They've had essentially two NFL franchise quarterbacks at the helm. And then, you know, DJ now fills the bill of those two uh, previous quarterbacks that build those um, heavy shoes at Clemson. So this could be a moment where people can kind of, you know, not necessarily bring him back to kind of his Southern California counterparts. Obviously, you know, they're like light years ahead, obviously, with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But 
he's in that he could potentially put himself back in that conversation as he was obviously two years ago before kind of a, a terrible year last year. So just looking forward to this matchup. And this is where, and especially when it comes to my love for the Atlantic Coast Conference, because it's always a disappointment when, especially when it's time for the college football, you know, uh, playoff rankings and how they look at the ACC this could be a, a matchup where people will look at this and actually take the ACC somewhat serious. And I'm not going to sit here and just lie to you and be like, oh, this is going to be – they're going to take it serious. They're taking it legitimately serious. I think they could potentially – however this goes, but I think this will be a conversation piece at the table when they're selecting um, for the college football playoffs. So switching the focus now to the NFL – um, there's some good, solid uh, matchups um, in week four in the NFL season. <sighs> there's there's some that really intrigue. I think the one that kind of is really intriguing to me now at this point is Philly versus Jacksonville, where this is where, you know, this is some of the revenge game. This is where, you know, Doug Peterson comes back to the scene of the crime in Philadelphia. So, now he brings his two and one Jacksonville Jaguar teams that I think at this point have kind of figured it out. I think obviously they stumbled in Washington, which I think they had a great shot to legitimately beat the commanders in week one. But after that, they've been rolling. Obviously, with that um at that time was a very impressive win over the Indianapolis Colts. And then going to, you know, then go, you know, then going to L.A. and beating the Chargers, even though people say, well, Justin Herbert, this, Justin Herbert, that. But Justin Herbert played, played, played the game. So regardless of the score, they put a hurt on him. I don't, I don't, even if it was Chase Daniel at the helm, they still won the football game. So um, that's another team, I think. And this is probably, I think, Philly's probably one of their roadblocks potentially before they go to a – because they got a bad week and I think a few more weeks – which I'm still envisioning them to potentially be still undefeated as they go into a bad week. But this is a team where I think they could they could put a little fear in the uh, in the Philadelphia Eagles and potentially um, do their thing. So, and the thing about it is, I think the, the concerning thing with Philly, I think essentially is they're scoring in spurts. And I think with Jacksonville, I think they're, they're a team where. Will it necessarily can Philadelphia score like the 24 points or 21 points in a quarter and be able to sustain it for the rest of the game? This I don't think they're, you know, they're not the commanders, they're not the Vikings. I think they're gonna be an intriguing team where I think Philly's gonna have to put up more points than they've had in these last two meetings, last two games that they played. So this is gonna be really intriguing, and I really want to. I want to really see how the Eagles fans are going to react to Doug Peterson. That's kind of one another storyline that I've really um, been thinking about as well because you think about the fact of – because when Andy Reid came back in 2000, I want to say like 2013 or 12, I forgot what year it was. But when he came back, I mean, it was – he got a lot of love. And now you look at with Doug Peterson, obviously the former player and then also the former um, coach, the Super Bowl winning coach for the Philadelphia Eagles team. So – it's going to be really intriguing of how that um, how how he'll be received, and then you know then coupled with can can Philly stop Trevor Lawrence and can they you know and they're another 
they're now I think are getting to the point where they're a legitimate team. They're not they're not the the last two years well, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. No. There's gonna be another team that's gonna be on the clock on the 2023 um NFL draft. So yeah, that's not gonna happen. And then the final game I really wanted to kind of talk about was uh a rematch. And I hate to say rematches, but I think it just makes for great storylines. It kind of makes just for just for for, for get, um, giggles, essentially, where you have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Five. Obviously, that was the um, the dominated performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, thirty one to nine. This is going to be an interesting game, just for the simple fact of I'm really just curious, obviously. Of the of the crowd and how it's going to be, especially obviously Tampa Bay was one of the you know one of the areas that was um, hardly hit, that was was hurt. It's not hurt, but hardly um, not hardly, but they were they were essentially um, affected by a Hurricane Ian. So now you want to see how's that crowd, how's that momentum is going to be with that, and then both of those teams both coming off of. Losses that were really kind of weird. Like they're kind of they were they were both games where I think essentially they were kind of like one-off types where you you don't necessarily will see like Kansas City doing what they did. A lot of little miscues in the Indianapolis game, and then also with Tampa Bay where they kind of it was few miscues that was missed in that game against Green Bay. So this is going to be intriguing for the simple fact of because one of these teams, you know. You know, one of these teams are gonna, you know, potentially be at five hundred at two and two. So that's gonna be a, a, an intriguing matchup. And then now, you know, and obviously it's a rematch, of Super Bowl Fifty Five. But the thing about it is, a lot of those guys that that were somewhat integral roles in that matchup aren't there. Like I look at someone like Tyreek Hill, even though he really wasn't necessarily a factor in a sense, but he was he was almost he was he was a factor. Like he was one if. I look at that Super Bowl and think to myself, wow, Patrick Mahomes had maybe two or three seconds to connect with Hill. They would have got torched. Tampa Bay would have got torched. But, you know, but, um, yeah. And that's where, you know, that's going to be one of those when I definitely think it's going to be a defining moment for both of these teams at this point going into the month of October. So I put a bow on this um, special Couch Coach Live edition on International Podcast Day. Just want to give you a few little, just uh, words of advice, just some, you know, just some game or whatever. Just you know what I can do, um, man. And I know if anybody who's actually and wants to do podcasting, or this is for anybody who wants to do podcasting, or just uh, or still in the game and doing their thing, enjoy this, enjoy the process. Every everything that that happens in your podcast, enjoy the process. This is by far to me, one of the most greatest things that I've ever done in my life. Like it's one of those where I've enjoyed every moment of it, even the good and the bad. And I'm gonna leave you with one final thing, track your journey. I don't care how small you think it is, how big it is. Like an example, if current today, September 30th, you got 100 followers on Instagram. Take a picture of that. Celebrate that. Because that's what happened. You're going to come back next year on International Podcast Day, and you're going to mess around and have about 20,000 followers. So and it's one of those things where it's a great way to track your journey, and it, and it can keep you encouraged. So 
that has been my time. I definitely appreciate everybody for tuning in and chiming in on International Podcast Day. Uh, thank you once again, Jeff, for this great opportunity. And uh, we'll catch you guys on Couch Coach Live on Wednesdays, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Like I said, Pittsburghers and Couch Coach. That's a very tough combination <laughs> of vowels for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a great episode. It's Couch Coach Live. How else can we find it? A website. I, I know I see you on Facebook all the time. Uh, what's the best ways to connect? So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Couch Coach Live. The website is couchcoachlive.com. And uh, check out the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and we're there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. 